0: Cold open question of the day, Brendan. Clean. We have a dunk contest field. It's Jalen Brown. It's Jaime Jaquez. It's Jacob Toppin, a G leaguer, and Mac McClung, also G leaguer, and obviously the defending champion. So, who you got? I have Jalen Brown because I think he's gonna
1: want to be the winner, and I think that's the biggest ingredient. As we've seen seen time and again, everybody in this thing is is often athletic. Sometimes try, guys try too hard. They Attempt things that they are not capable of doing, or they try to get way too sophisticated and it just gets awkward. I think a big part of it is just do you actually care? Do you actually put thought into it? And the fact that Jalen Brown, an all star, all NBA player, entered this thing, which we have been begging and pleading for as NBA fans for years now, tells me that he will bring it. And I think not a moment too soon because. We know that this thing needs saving, and I think Jalen Brown is here to save it. I hope that he does not embarrass himself or do anything bad, because if he can just do what he wants, execute the task at hand, and and win this thing, I think next year there might be two Jalen Browns, three Jalen Browns in this contest, and we might actually want to watch it again, rather than whatever the hell Jacob Toppin is doing in this competition.
0: Uh, Automatic 50 for Jalen Brown if he dribbles and dunks with his left hand
1: think that I, I think that's a great start that's dunk number
0: one who do you have i'm pick mac mcclung we're going we're back to back for mac mcclung dunk contest doesn't matter anymore but you know it does matter brendan the nba trade deadline we've got the five teams that define the trade deadline a lot of shouting a lot of excitement for me today let's dive in oh, Welcome in to the Just Basketball Show. I am Chris Manning. That is Brendan Clean. Thanks again to our whole team on the back end. And I want to tell you about one of our partners, Thrive Fantasy. They are a player prop DFS platform where you can pick more or less than on your favorite players across multiple sports, including the NBA and the NFL. You can sign up today with our code, Just basketball. It is all one word. And Thrive will match your first deposit up to $250. Please follow us on your favorite podcast at Platform of Choice. Five stars only. Hit subscribe on the Just Basketball Fans YouTube channel. Brené, All Star. Excuse me. The trade deadline has come and gone. I'm getting excited about All Star for some reason. I'm not totally sure why, but trade deadline is here. It is gone. We're gonna go through the five teams that define the trade deadline. But I want to ask you this before we get into team number one. Was this a good trade deadline? Do you, was this excite? Like, where did we come out here considering Dejounte Murray wasn't traded? You know, there a lot of the moves felt a little bit smaller. There was no shock star trade at the The Bulls last were minute. buyers. The Bulls have the, the Bulls didn't trade Andre Drummond, didn't trade Ox Caruso, didn't trade DeMar DeRozan. Obviously Zach Levine's hurt. What did you make of this deadline overall in terms of the action we actually got? Well look, it,
1: it was spread out. If you include the Harden-Siakam and Ananobi deals, this was a great trade season for the league, but it just happened first in November and then in the month leading up to the deadline, more so than all at once. So we got a lot of movement. And I think most every team at the top of the league looks a little different than they did on October 1st or whatever. But as far as today goes, yeah, I think this is what we were expecting. I think it was a lot of smaller moves, and I think it set up what should be a fun offseason, but no, I mean, I I would be a a sicko if I was sitting here and I was like, no, this was great. This was everything I wanted and more. Last year, we got Kevin Durant traded, and the Lakers remade their whole roster and everything else. This year was was much uh, quieter than that, but I think there's still a lot that could affect the playoff picture, maybe the title picture we can get into today.
0: Yeah, I'm very much the same. I think if you look at the whole scope, that this is probably setting a tone for the future. Maybe we're not going to get deadline deals. you are going to get star trades that bleed into the beginning of the season. Teams making moves earlier. And I think it's interesting, Brennan, the team I I think we should start with is the New York Knicks, a team that obviously got out ahead of the trade market by going and get OG and an OB several weeks ago at this point. OG obviously dealing with an injury right now, but... They went and got Boja Bogdanovich and Alec Burks from the Detroit Pistons. They gave up two second-round picks. Evan Fournier, Malachi Flynn. Malachi Flynn on the move once again after being traded in the OG trade to New York, and now he's off to Detroit. And then Quentin Grimes, I think a favorite here of the Just Basketball show, going through Detroit as well. I actually want to, at the end, kind of just like hit on a couple... The fact that I sort of like what some of the pieces now the Pistons have. I just like that they got Grimes. That's cool for them. I, I like that as a building block for them, frankly. But, Brennan, the Knicks part of this to me... The more I've sat with it, the more that I like it. I don't think Burks... I'm super in love with them going and bringing him back into the system. I, I don't totally think he's going to be super additive to them come playoff time. But I think Bogdanovich could be, I think particularly in the, the structure they have with OG, with all the big wings, you don't have to worry about him being the defensive potential liability. I think he is more of at this point in his career, now that he's a little bit older. He can kind of come in and just be shot-making tough on closeout shooters Bojan and play more limited minutes. That's a pretty good role for what he is at this stage and in, in this age. This team is... Clearly has an identity. They're they're big everywhere. Jalen Brunson is going to continue to have to be the one pulling all the strings in a real way. Burks is going to provide a certain more manual quickly s kind of scoring punch if he's going to provide anything for this group. But I feel like here they doubled down on their strengths. The Knicks didn't try to change what is going on here. The Knicks use the deadline to reinforce what already works. I love them going all in. I just
1: think it would have been a bummer if we heard kind of what we heard from the Lakers camp, right? Which is like, well, they're punting till July. They have an opportunity. I mean, how surprised would you be if I said, we fast forwarded to June 1st and I told you, or whatever it is, and I said, the Knicks are representing the Eastern Conference in the
0: NBA Finals. Like, that wouldn't shock you, would it? It would borderline shock me just because I think Boston should be... Boston should just be the team that gets there. But I, the Knicks are making the case as the second option behind them. I mean, I think you'd feel stronger. I think you could make an argument that right now, Brendan, the, the te- there's a couple teams ahead of the Bucks right now, based and the Bucks have the star power at the highest level, obviously, but their track record this year has been a little wonky. The Knicks are as solid as they come. They're playing great basketball for the most part as of late. Cavs, same thing, and both those teams have a lot to prove, and I think Boston is still very much ahead of the pack here, but I I wouldn't be as shocked as I would have been a month ago Is is kind of how I would answer that. Yeah, exactly. So that's my point is...
1: I like that. They looked at that opportunity and didn't say, let's, we made our move. We have OG, we have him now. And for the future, let's see what that shift can do for us along with, you know, the DiVincenzo signing, which has been huge and they have precious and whatever. Let's try again. We made it, you know, game six of the second round last year. Maybe we go further this year, but instead they were like, no, you know, July is July. Right now we have an opportunity to improve and do whatever to get 10% closer to our goal of of winning a championship, which I think they have to be thinking of as their goal now. And I just like that, but at the same time, to me these moves were more regular season moves. I I look at the rotation that the Knicks now have and it's <clears throat> you know Guys that are locks to play in the postseason for them. Brunson, Ananobi, Randall, Mitchell Robinson if he's healthy. I would probably put Josh Hart and, and Mitchell, uh Josh Hart on that list and DiVincenzo on that list if not for anything other than their defense, perimeter wise. So we're already like most of the way to what their final Set of guys will be for a big postseason game. Like, how many minutes does Bogdanovich play in a game seven in the second round? Is it more than zero? Yeah, I think so. I,
0: okay. I think there's. I think what he's what just role do you think he he plays for them? I just think there's a there's a there's going to be a need for him as the shooter, as kind of a tough. I I just think it's a lever you can pull if the series dictates it. Like, is it a lock, Brennan, that he plays? A, a heavy amount of minutes snow, but I think if they get in certain series and series flow a certain way, this gives them optionality at the very least. Like, Pl- or flows what re- kind of way? Flow well, like it's, like, it's like all- if you it's look at matchups, the-
1: if you look at their their roster before this, like that's what I'm saying is if they had gotten like a guy who was exactly like quickly, that would have made perfect sense to me. But I guess I'm almost looking at the point you made before of that they're doubling down on some of their. Pre-existing strengths, and that to me makes it less of a lock that these moves are needle movers.
0: I don't even—I'm not even 100% like sure how much of a needle mover it is, but I think if you get this guy, who is a just a proven shot maker, who you can fit pretty cleanly with Brunson, and I think th- the way I look at it is, there's going to be times in the playoffs, Brunson, whether no matter who they play, that they're they're going to see two on the ball against Brunson in the playoffs. The obvious counter to that is to put as much shooting around Brunson as you possibly can. There's going to be moments in the series. I, I, Julius Randle's had a great year. Okay. I don't want to like dispute that. But there's going to be points where I think Bogdanovich is going to make more sense as a four to just relieve pressure off of Brunson in these playoff situations. And it's Brunson as kind of the only guy. Certainly, I think you would have liked a quickly other guy to play with him or. Or maybe just could have just developed Grimes better. That I think that's a reasonable argument. You wonder if they just kind of wasted some of the Grimes stuff in, in his potential there. But I think you're going to see moments where it's like OG, Brunson... One of Harden, Divincenzo, and Bogdanovich is there as the four, and then you put Harden Steiner. If Robinson like does come back, then like hey, there's your five. And I think you're just gonna have a counter with him to keep playing the way you are. It, this is this to me feel the the Burks one. I, I'm not as much sold on Bogdanovich. I think you're going to be able to use him for counters. You are going to need to have come the playoff time. Is it a 30 minute a game role like he has played most of his career? I don't think so. But is it 15? Is it 20? Is there a chance he plays 25 minutes in a Game 7 because he's helping you space a certain way? I think there's a chance you see some kind of that because he is that kind of shot maker and shot taker, and at least you can trust him in that one way that I think is really valuable to help free up Jalen Brunson when they see different kinds of coverages come to playoffs. I think that's where the thinking is here. Yeah,
1: I like that. I think Randall also obviously being hurt and having a track record of little things always seeming to be uh, hurting him physically makes it a good insurance policy just no matter what you're looking at. And I think to me, the place I look is Josh Hart. I'm still not convinced that if you really are treating every playoff game as must win. And I think there is a different mentality that they will have this year versus last year, where it's like getting your feet wet versus really going for it. And if that's the case, and you have other options now, I do think Hart is somebody that, that you can maybe turn the volume down on at times yeah. because he can just be such a liability on offense. He serves a very specific role. I think he 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 you have to play him, but you don't have to rely on him maybe and get into these games where to your point, the ball's moving and suddenly you look at the box score and the guy's taken eight threes and, and made one or two of them just because the defense is is forcing you into that situation. So yeah, I I like it. And I think in the regular season again, I, I do think Burke's I see it I see it really well. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I who handles the ball for them when when Brunson's off the court in the in the uh, playoffs?
0: Uh, he might it just feels like Tibbs is gonna be like, Hey, can you give me forty like on like I say this somewhat in jest, but this feels like a very Tibbsy thing where it's like, I got my one guy that I trust. Can I play him as many minutes as possible to ride him into the ground? But I, I think Brennan, that's a real concern. I don't there's not a real guide to like you can't ever really replace Brunson even with you had you had a, a more traditional backup point guard or even if you had quickly league. it's not gonna be one to one obviously Brunson's playing at this super high level that makes him you know, you can't replace him unless you have another star. No,
1: but, but I, I mean but I texted you this I, as I, the they, stuff was yeah. was going that like why couldn't they have done the Monte
0: Morris deal? Or tie, or go get Tyus. Jones. I, would, I, I would probably. Well, nobody Tyus got Tyus Jones, Jones so it's kind of hard know, to hold them
1: to a standard of a deal that didn't happen. But we know Monte Morris got moved. They could have matched that. It was one second round pick and basically some salary. That it just feels like the it's an imperfect fit. But they must have a plan.
0: It's probably for that Jalen Brunson like a lot of minutes is what I what I. Well, he can't I literally play forty eight though. I know, I know, I know. It just feels like the plane is going to be like. Eight. This feels very Tibbs to me, Brendan. This just feels very much like Tibbs is going to do a certain thing. Like, for better, like, I, I, under, I agree with you. He can't literally play 40 minutes. Alec Burks is probably going to be like your backup point guard in some scenario. Or maybe like it's just of...
1: sort of somebody to dribble. And then, like, DiVincenzo can do a little bit of that. And then yeah. maybe you really just ride Randall. I mean, so this season, in games that both Brunson and Randall have played, mm hmm. Brunson off Randall on 191 minutes. They are plus two. So they've survived. Um, Largely because their defense has been solid in those lineups. Um, I would imagine there's a lot of like Hart and Hartenstein and whatever in in those Mm -hmm. groups. But maybe Ananobi recently. But that's kind of what you're looking for. If you're getting if you're getting a plus two net rating out of the Brunson off minutes in the playoffs, you're probably winning a lot of games. So maybe it's not a huge problem, but I do just think like there were solutions to that problem, even if you think of it as a small problem. And instead they were like, well, let's get Alec Burks because he's on the team we're already negotiating with and we've had him in the building before. It just feels a little funny, but you know, I agree. The Bogdanovich one is much more important. Can we switch
0: to the Grimes part of this? Yeah. So what, what do you, I, I, just want to say, I do like his fit in Detroit. If they're doing what they're doing, and and the adding just another piece, and it's Kate, and it's their Thompson twin, and it's Jalen Duran, and it's like what, like I, I, still think they're a ways away from having this figured out. Wait a second, but Brendan. I, yeah, I believe you that you do know, but do you know which Thompson twin is on which team? Was that? No, this, this, here's the thing. I, this has been so many names I've looked at today that I'm generally like, I have to, I'm double checking myself. It's, yeah, it's Oscar Thompson. Ahmed Thompson is on the Rockets. This has been, Brendan, there's been so many names I've read today. Like, I forgot about read that Ryan Archidiacono was like in the league, much less that he was on the Celtics at one point. Like there's just a lot of things that I forgot today. That it's okay. It's okay. I just am
1: a big Thompson twin believer, so I, know you I need I, know I need the are. respect on their names on this show. And okay. you you okay. called okay. him their Thompson twin as if he doesn't have a first name. So I just that's, needed that, no,
0: that's, the that's clarity. The, the, I like this bit of like if the Pistons were going to do this, I like getting a guy like Grimes on their team. I I don't so exact. We don't exactly know what that Pistons team is doing. But they got a guy that I really like, and I think you really like, and I think whatever comes next for them, that's the kind of guy that, A, he should be more empowered now, and B, I think Mm -hmm. can get better in a new situation. It's a little disappointing to me of of how this ends with him in the Knicks, because I think the ceiling for him was higher than it ever—I think there's more they could have gotten out of him that they just never Mm -hmm. did, or Tibbs never did— yeah, depending on how you want to frame that. But I do like this as a get for the pistons. if you're if you're actually going to make moves near Detroit, I like getting someone like Grimes and not just getting some picks and and or at least they didn't get another center or anything like that. yeah. well, look,
1: I think Detroit to me, um I didn't hate their overall approach, even dating back to the Bagley trade, you know, they were fairly opportunistic with a few things, like the house trade and 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 this move where, they didn't come in and pick an avenue too aggressively and say we're buyers or we're sellers you know they they seem to be decently close on levine that would have been somewhat of a buy but that didn't prevent them from saying we don't need alec burks and boyan bogdanovich on our team you know yeah and I think also the the deal that they got for Bagley, I I think they had to give up at least one second in that to get off of him. But I think Muscala and Gallinari can play. Like Gallinari can kind of fill a lot of what Bogdanovich was doing for them. Frankly, Mm -hmm. you know, as a veteran shooter who doesn't make like huge mistakes on offense, like put he's already been playing, just fill those minutes in. And so to come out of this with some extra assets, and especially Grimes, I think is is not terrible, but. Um, Yeah, I mean, Grimes is exactly the type of guy I think you want next to Cade Cunningham personally, like, you know, just somebody with decent size who competes on defense and can make open shots like that's the rubric. That's that's the recipe for building around a a star creator like Cade, which I'm still going to call Cade Cunningham that for the foreseeable future. We'll see if that uh, title ends up being accurate or not. But if that's still the goal for them, which it is build around him, I think Grimes is a, a great guy to get back for two vets that you had no need for. I can the, the, the two the two first round pick stuff for Bogdanovich and all that was, was always stupid. So mm-hmm. if you had told me even last deadline, Hey, they're going to get some seconds and Grimes, I'd be like, Great. Perfect. Get rid of Bogdanovich today. So it took a while. They got there, but I like the moves and uh, hopefully they can get a little more stable as far as what their long-term plan is. I, I wanted them to trade Isaiah Stewart personally, but yeah.
0: but that's all right. Couldn't agree more with the, that part of it. Did, is it a failing on the Knicks at all, Brendan, to have to trade Grimes in this way? Uh, this, this is, he wasn't part of a bigger star package. He wasn't yeah. part of even, like he wasn't even part of the OG trade, which he didn't need to be, but he wasn't. Is this, is this kind of return that is sort of a reinforce the team, nothing super splashy, is that a, does, is that say something about how the Knicks did or did not, Phil Grimes, and I have you have I have seen the post where it is like all the the Knicks like young guys that they developed yeah. they're all they've all been excised now and he's he was the last one. It's, yeah, it's still only Barrett as far as first-round picks
1: to re-sign for like the past 20 years, and then they got rid of Barrett too. You know, they trade uh, Obi Toppin last summer. They trade Barrett and Quickly for OG. Now they trade Grimes here. I, I guess the way that I would put it is this. Um, I think that they had already sunk his value to the point that thinking that he would be the centerpiece of some sort of star move is a little bit silly anyway so you know whatever whatever status he held when he was like the crown jewel of Donovan Mitchell talks he's not that anymore that was two years ago so The fact that you're trading him now doesn't mean you're trading that guy. You're trading what he is now, which was a depleted asset because he didn't seem to jive with Tom Thibodeau. He had lost his place in the starting lineup and wasn't getting a ton of minutes. And him developing did not seem to be a priority of theirs. That said, like it it comes at you fast with this stuff in terms of team building in the NBA. Mm-hmm. It's it's not that far between September 22, we're talking about Donovan Mitchell and we have a package that could easily outbid anybody to all of our guys are making 10 plus million dollars. We have no more picks and we have no more young talent. I'm not saying they're there, but it, it happens very fast. So to me, the best thing you would say is that they've won or or done a good job in all these trades. It's not like they've they've spoiled these assets on trades that look really stupid so I, I it obviously makes it easier to to stomach that and all of this chris in my opinion is a lot easier when you sign a guy who suddenly becomes a bona fide number one on a championship team which is what i believe jalen brunson can be for 26 yep. million dollars you're paying him right. 26 million dollars and he's going to get mvp votes so you can do a lot of stuff that other teams can't afford to do because of that.
0: Before, last thing we'll say, at least what we can say in the Knicks here, the most interesting race to me in the NBA now for the playoffs is who gets the two seed in the East. That's going to have a lot of value. That will be a potential home court in the second round. And it's there's three teams they're running for, Cleveland, Milwaukee, New York. How those teams sort themselves out who comes out ahead? Who actually gets that? And and frankly, who also doesn't finish fourth? If I would take third over fourth, just to be in the opposite side of Boston, that race behind Boston, ahead of Philly and and Indiana and Miami and all those teams, the number one, I think, most interesting race down the stretch as far as an actual definitive seed goes. Much and there's a lot of other stuff in the West as well, but that to yep. me is is the one. It's going to be very very valuable. And if the Knicks pull it off, they're They could owe it in part to this deadline. Let's move on to Oklahoma City. Let's flip conferences. Oklahoma City, Brendan, I want to give myself a slight pat on the back here because the team that I said was the biggest mystery was the Oklahoma City Thunder. I did not have on my bingo card at all that they were going to go and get Gordon Hayward at this deadline. I thought maybe they go get a big... Maybe they go get some kind of just other depth. Maybe they, they do some shuffling around. But to get Gordon Hayward, I don't think really give up very much, frankly. Use the Davis-Burton salary. This is a move I really like for them, and it doesn't change their identity. Getting Gordon Hayward doesn't really make them have to adjust how they play in the in the way that a more traditional five would have vis-a-vis Chet. And I, I just I like this as a move for them as, as a rental at the very least and maybe a veteran piece that they can have around for a little bit longer after this year if it works out down the stretch run.
1: Yeah, we talked about this with Brunson and the Knicks just now that how much do you really need to value a backup for one of your best players? The level of energy being put behind telling the Thunder that they need a backup for Chet got like very out of control to me at first I was on board when everybody, it sounded like we were just saying overall the team needs more size, which I agree with because even their backup forwards are pretty small guys like Aaron Wiggins or Kenrich Williams or Jalen Williams even. But then it became like, go get Nick Claxton and this type of stuff that Jared Allen. Yeah. And it's just like, their best player their second best player plays center. Why would you do this? So I thought this type of trade made a lot more sense and I think we also underestimate how specific Oklahoma City Oklahoma City's style of play is. Yeah, that is not an easy team to just come in and integrate with. You either have to be able to handle the ball and drive or be somebody who can move in space off of those drivers. And Hayward can be both but especially the first thing. He he's somebody who his whole career, his his bread and butter is play in the pick and roll, play in space, get downhill. He can score at all three levels. He's shifty, he, you know, he is very uh he's he's actually like a like a great version, maybe not as good of a passer, but stylistically and body-wise like he kind of is what Mitsich was for them and that guy was playing for them so I I think this makes a lot more sense than any of that would have and so plus they're so deep and young they don't really if if he gets a pulled hamstring in game one of the playoffs and ends up not really playing a factor they, they're fine so I think it was a, a pretty low risk move for them that could really pay off.
0: The, the part of this I find most interesting is that this is such a ready-made we don't trust Josh Giddy in a playoff series kind of move.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I was watching Thunder uh, Utah the other night and this isn't the first time this has happened. But we saw the Utah Jazz in a close game in a game they ultimately won basically just dare Josh Giddy to do something with the ball in his hands late in the game they left them open. They said, "You want to shoot it?" Great. We we're not really going to give you clean driving lanes. Some of your the, the best skills you have we're going to take away because we can just leave give you space and and cramp up the rest of the floor and what makes you interesting and special is off the board. You get to a position where now that you if it's the first round and or it's the second round or wherever it is you now just have a guy that you can put in that in that spot on the floor and I don't are you losing some athleticism? sure are you losing is there some different energy there? for sure but you're not going to have you're going to have a guy who's going to take threes who can drive who's a little bit bigger and bulkier Who's a little more proven in that case. And that that's something of a win now team for a team that doesn't have to be all in this year and didn't go all in at this deadline, Brendan. But that that this is a win now kind of trade in a way for you to tell yourself, we're not we can't we're not we're not just gonna like learn let Josh Giddy go out to to play and have to figure it all out or or fail and that's the MLB all. You have a counter, you have an adjustment built in here if Giddy when Giddy struggles in the playoffs. And to me, that to me is the most notable part of this trade.
1: Yeah, the other I mean, the thing with Giddy, too, is like it's easy to focus because teams play off of him or they'll place they'll guard him with the center. And they really put under a microscope, like what his weaknesses are in that realm. But he also is not a good finisher. No, he's in the 19th percentile as a finisher this season among forwards. He is 42% from floater range, which is a career low. He had made those shots better in the past, but that's mediocre for forwards. And he's making a third of his threes, which could be worse. But to me, it's really that other ingredient. Whereas Hayward, it's like, I trust him to maybe get to the line a little bit more, Um he is shooting 70% at the rim this season, 73% last year, above 60% every year since he his last season in Utah. So yeah, for a team too that because they are so deep and the same thing I was just saying about how they don't have to rely on him, that also means they don't even have to ask him to do much of anything in the regular season. I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't see much from Hayward in the regular season until maybe you know a month or two from now when they start to ramp him up And then he maybe is a guy that they pencil in for 10, 12 minutes in a postseason situation, maybe 20, whatever it looks like, but they don't have to. And I think that'll help him stay healthy on top of everything else. So yeah, again, they gave up nothing. I mean, Trey, man, people like to talk him up. I don't really get it. He, it's just a guard that can score. I'm not saying he's nothing, but that for them, it was a pretty obvious move. He wasn't playing and the Berton salary. We all knew they were going to trade anyway. So that coupled with, they now can re-sign Hayward. I don't, think he's getting a raise on his current salary, but they can sign him anywhere up to or beyond that because they have his bird rights and keep roll that asset forward in terms of what the Burton salary had been for them. Maybe next deadline, we're talking about that as the Hayward salary, because now they have another big number to use in a future trade. So this was a no-brainer,
0: I think, even though it felt very out of left field. This is the rotation now, SGA, Jalen Williams, J Dub, the, the the really really good Jalen Williams, Chet, Lou Dort, Giddy, Hayward, Kayson Wallace, Isaiah Joe, Kendrick Williams, and Aaron Wiggins. And if Aaron Wiggins gets cut out, whatever that looks like, I mean they just have. Did like you say a nine. the other? Did you say J Will, the other Jalen Williams? I think I think he's yeah, their he's, backup center, so he'll he'll play. I okay, think. so he's okay, so he's t- they, ten eleven guys. You yeah, have ten eleven guys right there. If you have to figure out certain other things or, or maybe there's a, a bio thing they could do now and, and get like a, just another big in there and do it that way if you want that. I think you could easily do that here. But this roster just like is deep and makes sense like and they didn't try to it to your point about their play style Brendan. They didn't try and like readjust their entire play style. They didn't bring in something that's going to cause an adjustment like this is also I think good for Hayward at this stage in his career. Certainly, you know, he didn't want to get a buyout. Financially, I very much get that. So this, to me, is like a good balance. If he gets to play more competitive basketball and still make pretty good money and he can play fewer minutes, and I think for considering his injury history and, and all of that... I think this is this is a win for him as much as it is, I think a win for the Thunder. What about the Hornets side of this? You do you have any thoughts about about what they did here or anything? Anything notable? I I I, I think they're over a deadline considering they also traded Rozier. It's fine. I think it's this. It's
1: well. I think one. we'll get to them when we talk about PJ Washington next because we're talking about
0: yeah, Dallas. That's a good point. Let's so let's go to Dallas. I don't. I'm i very excited about the Thunder. The race for the one seed in the West also going to be fascinating. If I do a handicap real quick, if you had a handicap, the race for one in the West. It's th- it's like a virtual tie right now i believe between denver oklahoma city minnesota i'm going denver one okc two minnesota three that's how i would power rank those teams i think okc gets it because i think they really care more yeah care
1: or just i don't know if they care but the other clippers, teams clippers maybe don't you know like yeah. I, I guess the clippers and the the Nuggets, I don't think, care as much. And then Minnesota, I trust less. So I guess just sort of like that leaves the Thunder as the team there. But it's kind of funny. I mean, outside of Denver with the altitude, none of those teams maybe. out. I guess Minnesota might take issue with that. But home court advantage, you know, we don't think of any of those teams as like bonafide. Every year, the playoff crowd is rocking because some of them are young. So Yeah, it almost feels like more of a missed opportunity that like Sacramento won't get to have home court advantage or like, you know, whatever happens with the play in teams that they'll be missing that. Whereas like, you know, is the B team Staples Center crowd really going to be making or breaking a series? I don't know. But yeah, I mean, to me, it's more who gets who in the second round. And some of that stuff is
0: really what I'm looking at more so than,
1: you know, the pride of the number one seed.
0: I mean, Clippers Lakers round one is not off the table. No. that should be fun I, I'm I'm into that from just like a weirdness standpoint of the Clippers being the home team but that's going to be a Lakers partisan crowd it just it just would be yes <laughs> I also uh, I also think whoever's five whether it's the Suns whether it's the Pelicans whether it's the Kings I think everyone in there at this point is probably just uh, no I love you Minnesota I'm glad you got a point guard who can dribble congratulations on getting Monty Morris but uh, that's the team everyone's I think going to be rooting for to fall to five to four in the four or five I think no question
1: as a team as a, a fan of a team that is actively in the five seed, I would love for Minnesota to fall to four. Yes. Yeah. Can't right. confirm. Move
0: yeah, can't can't, can't confirm struck from the source. All right, Dallas, Mavericks, you are up next. They go and get they make two trades for two players that I think fit really well, Brendan, within what they do, the way Luka Doncic in particular plays. The big one is PJ Washington and two second round picks. Go from Charlotte. Charlotte gets Grant Williams, Seth Curry, and a top-two protected 2027 first-round pick. And then they also get Daniel Gafford from the Washington Wizards, and it costs them Rashawn Holmes and draft compensation. Brendan, I, I think both moves I really, really like. The P.J. Washington one I've seen more split opinion on so far in, in the reading I've done about the deadline. But considering I just grant the Grant thing, which I was high on, I'll, I'll take the L on this. I liked them getting Grant Williams. I liked what he can provide. I still don't totally want to write him off as a guy that that could contribute um we've seen him play in good teams before obviously and and be a a positive player on those spots but pj washington is just better than grant williams right now and i think he's gonna fit really nicely with them his contracts are really good value as well i think dallas did some just really good business to reinforce this roster right now and what and, and with Gafford who's just one of the who I saw someone tweet was is the is the least embarrassing wizard this year and I think he's just a good player. And I think Washington is versatile can do a lot for you and I think he's going to thrive in in this environment.
1: Yeah, I, I think the thing with Washington is he's maybe not as big as you would like at the four spot for Dallas, but that's never really been how they have built their team. You know, like Derek jones jr has been starting at the four for them a lot of the yeah. season even when they were in the conference finals it was dorian finney smith so this is sort of their mo they want to be flexible they want to be a little more swarming especially since jason kidd has come in on the defensive end and they want to have athleticism and length around luca so it fits it fits how they've built it it's just to me you know i would i would prefer a little more size but the thing is with pj I loved him. You know, I, I used to pay a lot more attention to the draft back when he was a prospect. And one of the things I loved about him is how physical and the way he could play bigger than he is. That made him more exciting to me. And and I don't think he's really gotten to do much of that since going to Charlotte. And under Borrego, they were such an offense first team. And then the past few years, their defense just generally has not had a lot of difference makers to kind of insulate him or or make him any better so hopefully this can and that he can he can show some of that and he'll have to because if he's just an offensive guy for them they don't really need that um i don't think he'll make a big huge impact but if he can be a two-way player you're talking about somebody who we might start thinking of as like a centerpiece for this team uh if all goes according to plan so i like it from that standpoint can we go through now, though, what it took to get him in some? Because the Mavericks did a sign and trade to get Grant Williams. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. So, I mean, Dallas's track record of. <laughs> Dallas's track record of moves is very funny because they often just throw more picks to fix the moves that didn't work before, which I kind of respect, Mm -hmm. but it is kind of funny that that's just kind of what they do. And they're trading like a 20, a a top two 2027 first round pick top two protected 2027 first round pick is just one of the funnier pick projection, pick protections i've seen as far as the trade goes it's just like yeah. we don't want to give you we can't really give you we don't want to give you like a real pick we don't have a lot else what if we just slap some fake protections on it which for a pick we're hoping is like somewhere in the 20s they've been
1: scouting the freshman in high school and they're uh, they're convinced it's a two-player draft or something i don't know so it's a little bit hard to fully do because in, even in this trade right they get two seconds and they did the same thing with the Grant Williams deal. They basically, they gave up three seconds. They gave up two seconds and they got two seconds in the Grant Williams trade. So let's just say
0: that's nothing. <laughs> did you buy the, did you actually see the tank? Did you see the tankathon? a thon? I think it was a Twitter post where they just like pointed out all the trades. It was second round picks. And it's like, it felt like every damn pick in the second round. It was like, I think next year is like converted to another team. Like it's not in order anymore. It's just like we just trade these. These are like yeah. these are fun money. Like it's kind of an, it's kind of it's kind of wild. Like what what it's like grump Picks or they're just It was like, fewer
1: this year though. You know, last year was yeah. the year where everybody was going yeah. for like four and five. This year it was a little less. But okay, so last summer they trade an unprotected twenty thirty pick swap to the Spurs. Mm-hmm. ...to get Grant Williams. Let's just call it that was the trade. Because again, seconds went both directions. Now, they trade a top two protected, straight up pick in 2027... ...plus Seth Curry to get P.J. Washington. So basically, they gave up two first round picks for P.J. Washington when it was all said and done. Plus a lot of other nonsense that's probably not doing them any favors in terms of their future flexibility. And Seth Curry, who I don't think is a playoff guy, but... Had played minutes for them and they gave real money to he's not a minimum player so uh, yeah they 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 like to shoot themselves in the foot and they are a very active team in the deadline I think it's now eight straight trade deadlines the Mavericks have made a deal at least one deal yep so Feels right uh, very very active but yeah uh, I like the move Gafford I love I think as much as you can get excited about Derek lively I've seen Mavericks fans refer to him as a member of the the Mavs big three I think that's
0: hilarious um, He's a rookie need, center. Th- he's he's 19 like a, years old. We need like Merriam-Webster to like weigh in and give us like an actual definition of big threes before people... Like, did you meet the the, the literal definition in the dictionary for a big three? Yeah. I think. we, we need, It's like how
1: in the load management rules, the league defined like you were an all-star within this realm mm-hmm. of time. And it has yeah. to be that. You don't get to be a member of a big three unless you've like fulfilled the the certification. But... I don't think Gafford is some sort of star either, but it's at no. least better protection for Lively, where if you're telling me Dallas gets Denver in the first round, like he's, he's chopped liver uh, trying to guard Nikola Jokic. So this is at least just a playable big. And especially when you compare it to where they were last postseason, where they had basically zero of those, to have two plus Kleba if he's healthy is, is a really nice spot to be in. And I think they'll be... A deeper team heading into this playoffs, which is huge and and might be the difference between them advancing and not advancing. I mean, they didn't even make the playoffs last year, but
0: you know what I mean. A really interesting team also just from from a standings perspective because they are currently eighth. They're a game and a half back of the Kings. They're two full games back of the Suns and the Pelicans. They're ahead of the and they're a game and a half ahead of the Lakers, two ahead of the Jazz, and three and a half um, ahead of the Warriors. They're kind of in their own little zone right now, but you would think running right with these moves and obviously just with the talent they have, I, I can, they're going to, they're, they're the team of, I think in that eight to in that, in that play in range and below, they're the one now I think you'd have to look at and think, okay, are they the team that's going to make a real push to push new Orleans out of the top six? I like, guess. Do they have some ground to make up for sure? Two and a half games isn't nothing. And, and the Pelicans are playing pretty good basketball and, you know didn't really make any real moves you know in their own right at the deadline they're going to stay in the tax and and just got rid of Keir Lewis other than that they they they're keeping it intact Dallas is i think in a position now just with the competency of the trades they made they didn't do anything go get another star they just made competent basketball trades and i think that has them poised to push for the top 6 I think you would have to hope
1: so i think they're You know, on paper, a more talented team than the Pelicans. I guess I kind of say that as I question it myself because I think New Orleans is very deep. But where Sacramento and New Orleans might have them beat with depth, I think you know you you would like to say right, Luca, Kyrie, PJ Washington, Derek Lively, and you know some some three and D wings. That should be enough to be better than those those other groups. So yeah, six should be their goal and hope the chips fall in the right place to feel good about your first round opponent. But it's just weird that we're here with a generational
0: player on a team that's like fighting to make the playoffs every year. And some of that is on Dallas. And I think some of it is on the West is just perpetually a juggernaut. The West is perpetually just hard. Like Luca. Can we, can we cover this real
1: quick? I want to say this uh, because uh. people think that Brunson would not have been
0: Brunson here. Do you agree with me on this? Yeah, who... They play the same way. Yeah. There there is... There is an inevitable point, Brendan, I think, in team building where at the highest level, the teams are the best. The, The Nuggets are really like the anomaly to this because Jokic is an anomaly in his own right. But you have overlap at times. You have overlapping skills. You have overlapping talent. You have overlapping strengths. Oftentimes... I think 99% of the time that requires sacrifice from someone in Dallas, in this specific case study that is never happening with Luka Doncic. This is Lucas, Luca the, the day someone can make Luka adjust how he plays is the day that I think the earth turns on into their axis, for better or for worse. I think like he is who he is. Oftentimes it's very good. Jalen Brunson could never, ever be, what he is with the Knicks without the opportunity to do it. And he was never going to get that opportunity in Dallas. You're, and it's why, like if you're going to go get a, a kind of different kind of point, going to play with him, Kyrie for all of the very many things you could say about Kyrie and how much he does like to play with the ball in his hand and dominate at the times, so that guy has a track record based on playing with LeBron, playing with Durant of being able to pick a spots in every way. and doesn't need to dominate the ball in the same way and can play off of Luka in a way that I don't think Brunson is totally equipped to. That's just the nature of their skill sets a little bit. But yeah, Brunson absolutely was never going to be this guy with Luka. There wasn't like a two-headed monster with those two guys sitting there in plain view that Dallas messed up. Brunson would needed to go to New York if he was ever going to be this.
1: Yeah, in the second round in 2022, when the Sun when they upset the Suns, he was Brunson nineteen four and three on 45 percent shooting from the field. You know, and fine. In Golden State, in that series, the third round, he was 18-4-4 four four on 46% shooting. Very serviceable player, but not a guy you ever... I mean, that's why he's paid what he's paid. So, yeah, I, I think they're still just trying to figure out what the right pieces are. It's not for a lack of trying. I mean, Porzingis, Brunson, Kyrie, they've 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 tried. But, yeah, I mean, they still are out on the outside looking in of,
0: of a surefire playoff spot right now. Let's move on to our next team. That is going to be the Philadelphia 76ers. Before we do that, I want to tell you about our friends at homage homage is an ultra comfortable specialty apparel company with NBA and WNBA licenses that uses vintage inspired designs to pay homage to the greatest stories, traditions, and figures across sports, music, and popular culture. Use the link below to make your purchase and support the just basketball show. Brendan, I'm eagerly awaiting eagerly awaiting them restocking their starter mlb jacket collection i have set up an email alert so when the cleveland guardians jacket is back in stock a media cop a media cop you support like four baseball teams so do you have one that you would you would want to get i support the two nearest baseball teams to where i
1: reside and i, just, uh, I will check I just, like, out the d-backs and padres padres uh, jackets I was a positive gonna, jinx for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Thank you very much. True, you I I'd, I'd said goodbye, and they made the World Series. So they, they would love for me to continue to hate them.
0: Brennan, I just want to... You needled me about the, the not remembering which Thompson twin I wanted to talk about in that sense. I'm going to needle you about it. Oh, well, I'm more than happy to be needled, but... Uh, okay. It's has got to tell you, the, pod, the, the Padres one, it's pretty great. It's pretty great. Just looking at it right I'll now. check it it's out. It's pretty great. It's pretty good. I don't see a D-backs one, which feels like a problem. <laughs> for me personally that that's that's kind of a bummer but check out homage user link below buy yourself something nice uh they have a bunch of wwe stuff as well all kinds of stuff there all right philadelphia philly made one of the other surprise moves of the day brendan and getting buddy healed from the indiana pacers Uh, marcus morris furcon congratulations to Fercon Corkmoth for finally getting his trade Request approved, and he finally gets out of Philly, like seven years after he first made that trade. So just slow clap for Furkan getting out of Philadelphia finally. Uh, there's also a 2024 second-round pick from Toronto, a 2029 second-round pick from Portland, and a 2029 second-round pick and some cash going out. They also trade uh, Daniel House, who I believe is going, who has been waived or will be waived to the Pistons. Yeah and and uh, and another second round pick goes to grease the wheels of that deal they trade Jaden Springer to the 76ers for a second round pick and they also trade Pat Bev to the Milwaukee Bucks in a move that makes me think they think they're getting Kyle Lowry in the buyout market um, a busy day Brendan for Philly Buddy healed the headliner what do you make of, of what Philly has done here particularly considering obviously Joel Embiid is currently injured Yeah, the Beverly thing is interesting, especially to also get
1: rid of Springer. They're a little light at that spot. Maybe it is Lowry. But this, I mean, not to start with the nerdiest possible part of this, but maybe. Uh, This is what Daryl Morey is great at. He's able to add and get under the tax at the deadline. It's it's like his favorite shit to do. He loves to get better and also save his owner money and, you know, show off and flex in front of all the other GMs who wish that they could be as good as he is or whatever. Um, But Buddy healed. I like it. It is a version of what I think they needed. But I guess I wonder, was that for fully him to be a part of what the team looks like now or is that sort of a hey why not we'll see if we resign him it's just a little puzzling because he of course as they want to have cap space in the summer is also an expiring contract mm-hmm. and i'm not convinced you want to have like a a starting backcourt of him in maxi right no. but I, I i wouldn't hate it if he's like a guy who's your eighth man on a better team version of this team a year from now it just felt like a flyer more than anything which i don't mind but they gave up 3 seconds you know it's not not insignificant um what do you think of it i i i'm not just Fully positive what their plans with him are. So it's hard for me to evaluate like what was good or bad about it.
0: So that I agree with. I don't feel like we fully understand what Daryl Morey is cooking here. I, I think that's absolutely fair and, and reasonable. I think that is a mystery. I, I, that This felt to me, Brendan, more like a obviously like win now move. And I think kind of what they've done of late and the Embiid stuff even to me, it felt like they're just planning on him being back in a month or six weeks or something and just... Picking up where they left off and going for it, and I and I understand that you don't know you can never take a season for granted. It's hard to take a season off, and Embiid's injury history, I think, does suggest that you just never know how many you're going to have with him in his prime, and that that's a real thing. The shooting that Hield is going to give you is, I think, great for the spacing around Embiid. He's going to be get a ton of open shots, but what they are. Building what they are doing in this case to me, it's it's unclear. And like, I probably would have rather also just like kept kept Pep Ev than Kyle Lowry. I get there's a homecoming aspect to Lowry. He's a more proven winner in a certain sense than Patrick Beverly is. But is he better than Pep Everett right now? Like like, no, probably not. Like, I so I don't exactly know what's going on here. But I don't I mean, think again, he's I, great either
1: personally. So it's like no,
0: but to he, me that's he, kind of
1: a. C minus sure. for a C minus or whatever. You know?
0: Okay, that's fair enough. I guess the idea is, if I'm if I'm trying to explain this in a positive way, you're probably looking at the the next stretch of games and while Embiid is out, and saying we just need to give Maxi an easy button to pass to. This provides that, and we don't want to be in a position where we slide out of the top six while Joel is out. You are currently they are currently fifth. They're two and a half games back of the four seeded Knicks and and Bucks, who are also six games. They're also two and a half games back of the Bucks, who are in third right now. Indiana, who they obviously traded with, is two games behind them. The Heat are three games behind them, and and maybe showing some signs of life based on how they played the other night. Orlando's a little bit behind them. I think this to me, Brendan, feels like a hedge of let's just get Joel back. Let's get healthy, and we'll we'll take our chances from there and at least made some kind of additive move, even if it isn't getting Bruce Brown or, or something of, of that kind. Of, it's yeah. it's a very specific kind of addition. It just feels like let's not fall out of the top six and be ready when Joel comes back.
1: Sure. They're also 30th in three-point frequency and 20th in three-point accuracy, so they did need shooting. I mean, Kelly Oubre wild... has started
0: a a wild thing for a Daryl Morey team for that to be the case. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think a lot of the Philly teams have been that way, but it is it is a little funny to think. I, I guess, too, like, they're starting Ubre, 32.7% three-point shooter this season. You know, Melton has always been a, a low-volume guy. He can make wide-open ones off the catch, but beyond that, probably overextended. Batum, kind of a similar guy. So, yeah, I, I think it, it makes a lot of sense from that standpoint. I guess I just wouldn't have looked at their roster and thought they were a heeled away, but this clearly is not an all-in move. This is something for this season, and we'll see the master plan of what they're concocting come June, July, I guess.
0: in Indiana, as the B side of this, I think quickly before we get to our last team, they... To me, this to me was a weird trade to see in the morning, Brendan, because it just felt like, why are you taking something of a step back and not getting a ton of value? I think back in return here when you trade it for Pascal Siakam, and then they get Doug McDermott. So I guess they just kind of like shuffled some chairs around and mm-hmm. got a shoot. You know why
1: they did the this? You know why Brandon? they got rid of Buddy Healed because he's like the worst defender in the entire NBA. Yeah, and. The Indiana Pacers, I, I love that they looked themselves in the mirror and said, this is not going to work. This is not a real basketball team. And they got Pascal. They are starting Neesmith. We'll see if Nemhard can turn into a, a serviceable defender in time. They have Ben Shepard and Jarris Walker. They've been giving more time to. We'll see, I think, too, what this means for Matherin. This is a huge opportunity down the stretch and into the postseason for him. And they've turned Jalen Smith into a pretty solid backup big. So you look at their rotation now, and it is full of two-way players in a way that it just wasn't before. And I think that's why they still traded Heald after all that time where we thought preseason they were going to do it. And then he was a big part of their early success, so maybe not. And to get three seconds for him, that's more than they gave up to get Obi Toppin. So they replenish that, you know, um, and I think that they continue to be really nimble with the way that they've built their roster. And I I like that they weren't just like, great, you know, we made the NBA Cup final. Things are going according to plan. Let's let's go or okay, Pascal's our one move. We're we're where we want to be. It's like, no, uh, you know, form the identity you want to form and do what it takes to get there. And I don't think Buddy Heald can be a starting two. On a championship team, especially if Tyrese is the starting one, similar to what we said about Maxi. So, uh, and they do share their first name. So, yeah, I, I think I really like it from their standpoint. Even though it's probably going to get forgotten in a year, it's uh, it's a smart move.
0: Whoever gets a three seed, I think is praying to God that Indiana or whatever deity they believe in uh, is the six seed and not Miami. I think that's also just like, going to be <laughs> something fun to watch because even if Miami has not had the greatest season. I I think everyone would be like, yeah, I'd rather play the Pacers in round one than than Miami. Absolutely. Yeah. Get them on their
1: first go round rather than the defending uh, Eastern Conference representative in the finals.
0: Then play off Jimmy. All right. Last team, the Toronto Raptors who Brendan have had a very active, busy whole trade season. They obviously are part of the OG trade, bringing in Amanda Quickly and RJ Barrett. Then they get Spencer Dinwiddie from the Nets in exchange for Dennis Schroeder and Thad Young. uh, Dinwiddie, uh, there, there's seemingly like some beat, like something went wrong in Brooklyn. And I want to know what that was. I Lord knows, uh, but he will be waived by Toronto. And then they also get Kelly Olynyk and Ochai Abadji, um in exchange for a first run pick as part of that deal. Kier Lewis and Otto Porter jr. Go to Utah. Um, so mm-hmm. a, a deal that nets Toronto Kelly Olynyk, who we thought could be an added piece for a contender, not a team outside of the plane in the Eastern conference as well as Ochai Baji, who's now on his third team in a very young NBA career. But I like that. I, I, Brennan, it feels kind of sacrilegious, or like not sacrilegious, but weird to say Ochai Baji is the guy that I most want to talk about. But I just like, like him. I like him as a wing. I think he's going to fit well with what they have. So I don't know if he was worth a first here. And what this is really doing, but I just think he's a good player and there's some reporting as well that Masai has like known him and his family for a long time. So there's like some familiar, there's like some, one of those classic like, hey, I know you, like I trust you kind of things, like a favorite of Masai's, I guess. But yeah, an interesting set of moves for them in the way they've kind of reshaped the roster over the last couple months. Yeah, I haven't seen what the first round
1: pick that they gave up is. So I guess that would affect it, but I think the two that they're going to have are the Pacers, and then the le- the less favorable of the Thunder and the Clippers. So they don't have their own. Obviously, the Spurs have theirs. So um, I guess it's a, a wash as to which one they gave up. It feels like a lot for Olenek and Abaji, but if they keep Olenek and Abaji does hit, maybe we won't feel that way a year or two from now. I think Olenek makes a lot of sense as a big for a team that wants to have Downhill forward scorers like RJ and Scotty Barnes and even Emmanuel quickly as their kind of primary guys, at least for right now, as somebody who can space and move the ball. I think Olenek has played well with other bigs in Utah, most of those being spacers and offensive threats themselves. We'll see how he fits with Pirtle. I don't know how much he's really played with Walker Kessler. That's fine. But I agree with you on Abaji. I feel like his defense has a ways to go, but to me, he feels like a higher upside version of like a Malik Beasley. Uh, Maybe not, you know,
0: comparing anybody as a shooter to Beasley is tough because he's such a good shooter. But he won't get like, he won't be uh, memed into oblivion because of his his like just utter inability to like get in a proper defensive stance and not be caught flat-footed. Yeah, exactly. I mean and look, Abaji has shot 36 and 33% in
1: the NBA. So but if you go back to college, it was higher than that and I think his his release is quick. He he can kind of move off the ball in a in a good way and and be a shooter in those situations and I think, you know, I I kind of believe that anybody can become a serviceable defender at 6'5" with solid wingspan and he's only 23 years old. So I think he can be a rotation guy and another one that you know next to like like well maybe it's too high of a of a comp but like I remember Adam Mares like blew our minds with that Quentin Grimes comparison of KCP it's like if you could turn Abaji into like 75% of KCP that wouldn't blow my mind I, I think that's a, a reasonable outcome for him and if you said he was that again perfect next to Barnes so I like this move for the Raptors and they had an extra first round pick to blow and So there you go. Um, Just very out of left field that this one happened, but I don't hate it at all.
0: Pointed out to us on Twitter. um, First time I've used Twitter in a long time for more than like two minutes, and I felt insane. Uh, Right now, they only have seven players under contract for next season. RJ Barrett, Scotty Barnes, Scotty Barnes obviously being the most important. Jakob Purtle, Grady Dick, Chris Boucher, Jalen McDaniels, and Ochai Abaji. Then Bruce Brown has a team option. You would think they'll pick that up, and then they could resign quickly and resign Olynyk. That's ten, but they'll have some cap space. This feels like uh, some creating some flexibility. Part of the deal, I think, with Schroeder was he was due thirteen million next season, and they just didn't want to pay him thirteen million dollars next season. So they found a way to not do that, and that's probably part. of That trade
1: of the makes a lot of sense for both teams to flip to that one. Toronto getting Dinwiddie again if the ball's going to be in Scotty's hands and RJ's hands more uh, a shooting guard more so than a dribbling guard I think makes a lot of sense and flipping from from Schroeder to Dinwiddie and Schroeder hadn't even been starting anyway uh, makes sense to me and I think the same thing for Brooklyn with the way their teams built they actually really do need somebody to just create dribble penetration drive and kick walk the ball down the court, run a pick and roll, basic paint point guardy stuff that I think Schroeder is going to be better at. So that one also surprising, but felt like a huge win-win. I just didn't have Dinwiddie on the going to be traded list until like the past 24 hours, and then, like you said, there's all sorts of crazy stuff going on around him. There was, like, a guy in Brooklyn who said he might get bought out if he wasn't traded, and he tweeted back at him, like, yes, who? who no, I won't, who are you talking to? Then he does get bought out by the Raptors. Like, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. I guess,
0: did he get bought out? I think he, I, I've seen that he, well, I hadn't had a chance to fully catch up on, like, okay. every buyout. Well, and, frankly. like I'm going to be honest with you, he's, he's a fine player. I don't think Spencer Dinwiddie's buyout is, like a massive thing we need to like worry about in like the title race or anything no it's not
1: i was going to complete that by saying i hope they don't um because i do think he could make some sense for them but either way i do like Shooter in brooklyn and you're right about the cap stuff the raptors are an incomplete project here i didn't love that they kept bruce brown personally
0: yeah i would have him too if they didn't have an offer then i get it Anything that didn't happen, but we'll end on this, Brendan. Anything that didn't happen that you're disappointed by, I will just say I just kind of would have liked to see the Lakers trade for DeJounte Murray just for the sake of seeing what that would have looked like. I understand why it doesn't happen. The Lakers immediately in posturing mode of like, we're going to have three firsts to trade this summer. Who could we trade for? That's going to be really annoying, really fast. But anything that didn't happen or any other moves we didn't hit on that you feel like deserve a little bit of a spotlight here at the end of the show.
1: No, I think I'm still wrapping my head around everything that did happen, so I don't have that. I would just, yeah, I, I think the fact that the Bucks weren't able to do anything really um, outside of the Beverly thing, which, as I said, not a not a huge believer that he's going to make a difference, that, that just sucks from a competitiveness standpoint. I would have liked Milwaukee to, to, to be able to improve there and... I guess I would agree and plenty of other shows are going to talk plenty about this. So we don't need to give our two cents, but the Lakers and Warriors standing pat, if you had said that a month ago, I think people would have thought you were a lunatic and they both basically did nothing. So, um, we might be play, uh, we might be golden state in LA list in the playoffs this year.
0: Also, did qu- I, I will say I also did the quiet like Royce O'Neal to Phoenix, and I think the Phoenix Suns are probably a case study of why we should stop getting excited about minimum signings. Uh, I did not, so don't worry. I did. I'm a big Yuta Watanabe guy, and I'm, I am I just like his game, and, you know, didn't work out, I guess.
1: I was a believer in Keita Bates-Diop, uh, but other than that, I, I, I'm not a Chemezi-Metsu guy. I did not believe in Yuta. Hey, they've gotten Bull Bowl. They've he's playing real minutes on a on a winning team. So maybe maybe they'll all make us look stupid all over again if that works out. We'll we'll see, I guess, believe it when we see it for more than a, a month or so. But he's been good.
0: All right, that has been our reaction to the twenty twenty-four NBA trade deadline. The five teams that defined it, the New York Knicks, the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Dallas Mavericks, the Philadelphia 76ers, and the Toronto Raptors. Now we'll see how the league reacts. We'll see how the what the ripple effects are here. We'll see what the buyout market looks like, I'm sure, in the coming days when those guys are getting bought out. But I've been Chris Manning. That has been Brendan Clean. You can check us out twice a week here on the Just Basketball Show. We'll talk to you guys next week. Get back to some action. Check in on our Waving the Flag teams, perhaps, and see what some of the buyouts are. See what news we get between now and then. The NBA never rests. The NBA trade deadline is coming and gone. Enjoy the hoops. We'll talk to you soon.